attention, son. This is for your own good. This is Gateway City Sports. The rumors are true. This is Talking Sports on the Bleachers with Don Glenn. A confident young man, a superb athlete. A look at the sports issues of the day. Grab a seat, pop a cold one, and let's talk some sports. You got to get it done. Young Cinderella coming out of nowhere. He's got about 350 yards. Up. He's going to get about 500 yards. He's got a beautiful catch. Oh, he got all of that one. Hey, welcome, folks. I'm glad you can make it back. Man, has it been a couple weekends in college basketball or what? Hey, baseball's back, and it's going to be ready to go in a couple weeks. As always, I've got a full cooler. Prime real estate up here in section Big B. Come on up because it's time to talk sports. Romo looking, dumps it off right side. Intercepted! Intercepted the goal line by Woodson! And there is your dagger! Holy cow! Are you crying? There's no crying! There's no crying in baseball! Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? Welcome back, sports fans. I'm glad you could make it today. Glad you're here. Man, like I said, it has been a weekend, a couple weekends, actually, of college basketball. And, uh, you know, I, I just been kind of fun watching and, and looking at the scores and seeing the upsets and, you know, whatever else has been going on. So, um, we've got a new hit mid New men's head basketball coach at the University of Missouri. Now, if you don't think that's hard to say, try it yourself. Uh, we also have a women's coach hired in Illinois. A new one over there. We're going to touch on some golf. We're going to touch on some NASCAR. And, of course, well, a little tennis, too. And, of course, March Madness. I'm going to hit some baseball a little bit. I'm gonna, And I'm going to warn you now, i got a rant coming. So, just, just you're, you're forewarned. Uh, so, let's get this thing going. Talking Sports on the Bleachers is a proud part of Gateway City Sports. And at Gateway City Sports, we are fans for the fans. I mean, we love you guys. We're fans too. So, that's what we try to talk about. We strive to bring you the best coverage available for sports in and around the St. Louis Bi-State area. 
We cover the Cardinals and the Blues and the Battlehawks, as you might think we would do. We cover the University of Missouri. We also cover the University of Illinois. We cover NASCAR. We cover golf. We cover tennis. We cover whatever we can find to, that you might want to listen to or read. We have great articles, too. We have a team of writers and contributors that publish articles and stories, relate stories, share stories. Check us out. And then the other podcast we have, we have Two for Three with uh, Moose, Mike Stevenson, Yacker Jacks with Papa, Brian Swope. We have In the Cards with A-Train Arlington Lane, the XFL STL football show, the Team of Rivals podcast with Ron Nuttall, Pete Geddes, and Elliot Dewey, and the often imitated, never duplicated Derrick King Sports Show. You gotta check it out. I'm telling you, you're, if you're not, you're missing out on something really special. Any of those podcasts, guys, come on, check them out. Check out our writers. And if if you follow a sport and we don't cover that sport, I really, I'm serious when I say this. Let us know because we're gonna try and do what we can to see if we get that taken care of for you. All right, so let's get started today. What do you say? We'll start with some NASCAR. Uh, the Atlanta Motor Speedway, who had just gone through some resurfacing and reorganizing and whatever, uh, played host to the Folds of Honor Quick Trip 500 uh, last Sunday. Uh, William Byron took the checkered flag for his first victory of 2022. It comes almost a little over a year after his last victory, which was Homestead, Florida, in 2021. In the final laps, Bubba Wallace, who had been chasing down Byron, uh, had been chasing down Byron, but on the white flag lap, he was running, ended up running side-by-side side with Ross Chastain and lost ground, as did the rest of the field. This kept them from catching up to Byron, who crossed the finish line in the mile-and-a-half oval, ahead of, the ahead of the rest of the field. The top five finishers in order were Byron, of course, and then Ross Chastain was second, Kurt Busch third, Daniel Suarez fourth, and Corey LaJoy was fifth. Next up for the NASCAR is Echo Park Automotive Grand Prix, March 27th. Be there or be square. All right, in golf, more bad news for Phil Mickelson. I mean, that poor guy, I guess, can't catch a break right now, but it's his own damn fault. As the list for the Masters came out, he is not on that list. He's not listed as a participant in the Masters this year. Mickelson has come under fire lately for comments he made about the Saudi Arabian-sponsored Super Golf League. And, his la and the last PGA tournament he played in was back in January in the Farmers Insurance Open. He's been pretty much suspended and persona non grata since then. Um, no news as to when he might be able to return. Um, and the Masters, of course, is set for April 7th through April 10th. More golf news. Sam Burns won the Valspar Championship on Sunday, winning with a birdie putt on the second playoff hole, defeating Davis Riley. There was a two-way tie for third between Justin Thomas and Matthew Naismith. Uh, Burns and Riley finished the course at 17-under, while Thomas and Naismith finished one shot back. Matt Fitzpatrick and Brian Harmon finished two strokes back of the lead. In the tennis world, Taylor Fritz won his first, excuse me, I, 
Uh, think I'm, maybe I was thinking Taylor Swift there. I don't know. But anyway, uh, Taylor Fritz won his first uh, Masters title by defeating Rafael Nadal at the Indian Wells or at Indian Wells in the BNP Parabias Open or Parabas Open. Uh, the victory ended Nadal's Masters winning streak at 20. Nadal is rated number four in the world, while Fritz is ranked 20th in the world. Uh, on the women's side, Aiga Swiatek defeated Maria Sakari to capture the women's title for the number for number. Bleh, I cannot talk. I apologize, folks. Uh, for the number two ranked Swiatek, it was her second victory in five events. Uh, Sakari is uh, the number three player in the world. More tennis news. I'm giving you some extra coverage. You know, I think. Wolfman Jack would call this good old-fashioned twin spin. All right, so more tennis news. The number one player in the world, Ashley, or number one women's player in the world, Ashley Beatty announced, her la announced last week that she is retiring from pro tennis. Now, Beatty is only 25 years old. She'll turn 26 this April. She's has, she has three Grand Slam events. She's only 25. Three Grand Slam events. The French Open in 2019. Wimbledon in 2021, and this year she won the Australian Open. Beatty made the announcement in a video shot by her former doubles partner, Casey Delacoya. Uh, Beatty said, I don't have the physical drive, the emotional want, and everything it takes to challenge yourself at the very top level anymore. I am spent. Uh, Beatty has been, and again, I'm, and folks, bear in mind, again, she's only 25. Okay? She has been the number one ranked WTA player for the last 114 consecutive weeks. That's two years and two plus months straight. So that means when she was like 22, she was ranked number one in the world. Uh, and she's retiring. Go hey, they say going out, go out when you're at the top of your game. I'm telling you. Let's switch to the NFL. The free agent period has started, and there's been a number of signings and trades and players moving around. And, you know, this is going to be one of those seasons you're not going to be able to tell the players without a scorecard. But there are some guys staying put. Jameis Winston stays in New Orleans with a two-year deal for $28 million. Um... Devondre Campbell stays in Green Bay with a five-year deal for $50 million. Now, Chandler Jones got a three-year deal worth $51 million to play in Las Vegas. Von Miller and the Buffalo Bills came to an agreement on a six-year deal for $120 million. Uh, the Miami Dolphins shore up their offensive line by securing Teron Armstead to a five-year $75 million deal. A um, couple of names that were out there, still out there, I should say, uh, Bobby Wagner, Linebacker from Seattle, Akeem Hicks, defensive lineman from Chicago Bears, uh, Rob Gronkowski, formerly from Tampa Bay, and Odell Beckham Jr., who was with the Rams. Um, now, the Rams have expressed interest in trying to bring Beckham Jr. back, but they haven't done it yet. So I don't know if they've already picked, I mean, they've picked up a couple, so who knows what's going on. Now, the Green Bay Packers and Las Vegas Raiders completed a trade involving Green Bay All-Pro wide receiver Davante Adams. 
After offering Adams a franchise tag, which he refused, and after failing to negotiate an agreement, the Packers decided to cut ties with the wide receiver. Uh, Adams to the Raiders for, and they catch this. This is what gets me. Now, I'm a Packer fan. Now, you guys know this. I'm a Packer fan. And I'm looking at what we got for Devontae Adams. And I'm going to tell you right now, because of the franchise tag and him refusing it, they wanted him out of town. Because here's what they got for Devontae Adams. A first round and a second round draft choice. That is it. Two draft choices for Devontae Adams. Now, okay, Aaron Rodgers is a good quarterback. He's one of the best in the game. I am not saying he's not. But Devontae Adams made him that much better. And he's going to make Derek Carr that much better. Just a warning to the wise. Uh, the Raiders signed Adams after they received him in the trade to a five-year deal worth $141.25 million, making him the highest-paid wide receiver in the NFL, which is what he wanted from the Packers. The franchise tag was only going to make him a $21 million, I think. So a five-year deal with $141 million is, uh, what, eight? Uh, 28 million a year. Wow. Um, now the Packers, like I said, they've already signed. They, they signed uh, uh, earlier this week. Uh, what was his name? Go back and take a look here. Um, where did he go? He's here somewhere. Devondre Campbell. Um, the 50 million dollar contract over five years. They signed Rodgers to 150. One hundred and fifty. I'm gonna say it again. One hundred and fifty million dollar contract on a four year deal. Um, so I'm kind of guessing that this the money for Adams was not there. That's just the way I'm looking at it. It was not there, and he wanted it. They weren't going to give it to him, so they got him out of town on the first railroad train they could find. Uh, the Houston Texans traded Deshaun Watson. And a sixth-round pick in 2024 to the Cleveland Browns for a first-round pick in 2022, 2023, and 2024, as well as a 2023 third-round pick, a 2022 and 2024 fourth-round pick. After the trade, Watson was then given a five-year deal by Cleveland for $230 million. Now, this begs a very serious question. Where, What the hell are they going to do with Baker Mayfield? Um, I don't see him staying because he already wanted to trade in. He wanted out. He wanted to go to the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, they had other ideas. Um, and now, since Seattle has dealt away Russell Wilson, maybe they're in the market. I don't know. Um, it's going to be interesting to find out what, what happens with Baker Mayfield. Uh, one note about Baker Mayfield, that he is recovering from a sh- uh, shoulder, shoulder, shoulder surgery to repair a torn labrum in his throwing shoulder. So 
that may play into it as well. I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see how that pans out. Tyree Kill was traded to the Miami Dolphins. Um, and the Chiefs get Miami's first round pick in 2022 and the second round pick in or this year. Uh, both those picks put them in the, tw the first pick in, in round one is at 29. The second round pick is at number 50. They also get a fourth round pick as well and a fourth round and sixth round, sixth round pick in 2023. They got a nice haul. And I, I, I want you to listen. notice the difference here. Okay, Tyreek Hill traded the Dolphins. Miami gave up three picks this year, two picks next year. The Green Bay Packers traded Devontae Adams for two picks. Who got the better deal? Just saying. Uh, after he was traded to the Dolphins, they reportedly gave Hill a four-year extension on his contract worth $120 million, $72 million of which is guaranteed money. I said it again, guaranteed money, $72 million. Yikes. Yeah, and I'm sure things aren't done yet, folks. I think there's probably some more trades out there. There's some more there's free agents still yet to sign. So we'll be hearing more about the NFL in the coming days and weeks. Hey, let's take a quick minute here, and we'll uh, hear about uh, Fifth Street Motors, and we'll come back. We'll talk a little baseball. Hey, Don Glenn here for Fifth Street Motors. We all know buying a vehicle can be stressful, but it doesn't have to be. Fifth Street Motors, located at 2044 Rose Lane in Pacific, Missouri, will help you find the vehicle you need no matter what brand. Fifth Street Motors believes in giving you the best price on a pre-owned vehicle that will fit your budget. Give Brandon or Don a call today at 573-259-1306 and tell them Gateway City Sports sent you. Hey, well, we are back, and guess what? So is baseball. Hey, hey, let's play two. All right. I'd love to say that the game's coming back better than ever, but that is not the case. Uh, don't get me wrong. I'm very happy to have baseball back. I wanted baseball back. Um, this labor dispute thing with the with the salaries and stuff. Hopefully, they've got it settled to everybody's satisfaction. Uh, you know, one of these days, well, maybe sometime in the next oh, month or two, you know, I might actually get into the CBA and we'll talk about it a little bit. But I don't want to talk about the the details of it. But there are a couple things on the CBA that really just, I don't know, rank my car, car, if you will. Now, I will say, for those who have listened to me regularly, all ten of you, <laughs> okay, maybe it's eleven. But seriously, though, anyone who has listened to me before knows my feeling on expanded playoffs. And personally, I want to get rid of the second wild card. I've said that before. I've made that statement. Um, and, but now we're going to get a third wild card. To me, this is a move that's not going to create, they're saying it's going to create better competition or, uh, uh, more teams are going to, since more teams are going to be able to get in, it'll be more teams trying to get in. And I don't see that. I think it's going to have the opposite effect. 
I think what you're going to see, and by the way, in case you haven't realized, this is the rant, so bear, you know, I might get loud and I might get a little abrasive. Just fair warning. Uh, but like I said, this is just something your middle of the road teams, uh, the ones that are good enough to maybe, maybe get a wild card, but not good enough to win a division. They're not going to push that hard because they don't have to. Now there's three wild card spots. They don't have to push that hard. They don't have to go out and make the big names or get the fill that one spot they need to make them a division winner. And I know I harp on division winners. And the ultimate goal is to win a World Series. Yes, I, I, I get that. I understand that. And yes, just like an NBA championship or the Super Bowl or the Stanley Cup or the NCAA Final Four, your goal is to win that big trophy at the end. I, I get that. But you can't win that big trophy in baseball without getting in, or well, in any sport really, without getting into the playoffs. The easiest way to get in the playoffs in baseball is win your division. I mean, am I wrong? Somebody tell me where I'm wrong. That if you win your division, you are not assured a playoff spot. Of course you're assured a playoff spot. I mean, come on. So people are thinking, Don, you're short-sighted by saying that they've got to win the division. No, you're short-sighted by saying they've got to get into the wild card. Because if you win the division, you're in the playoffs. You are, you have an advantage. You have the home field if you win the, if you're that good. You know, the be best record in the league. But you've got, if you win the division, you're in the playoffs. No questions asked. And the rest of these teams are fighting out for these three spots, or two spots, or whatever spot, how many spots there will be, or are, or you want. Now, MLB and the players would have you believe that this will make teams to be more competitive to spend money. And this is the whole thing. It's not about the team spending money. It's about the league getting in more money for playoff games. Because, and you see it, I, I, I mean, all you have, to, and, it's, and it's not just baseball, it's any sport, all you have to do is look at the regular season ticket prices, and then when the playoffs start, what happens to ticket prices? Boom, through the roof. And baseball gets a cut. They get a cut. So it's more money. They don't care if the teams spend more money. They just want to make more money. And that's the honest-to-God truth. This idea of adding a playoff team to create better competition is a joke, just like the commissioner of baseball. Yes, I called Rob Manfred a joke, and he is. And if he had any guts, he'd debate me. He won't, because he's a, he's a spineless jerk. And, you know, I, I, I'm not on his Christmas card list, and I don't care. So I can say that. <laughs> 
Now, you know, the wild card became about 1994 when they went to three divisions. Uh, up until that, well, from 69, prior to 1969, there was only one division in each league. It was the American League the National League. Boom, that was it. Uh, when both leagues added, I think it was two teams in 69, they decided to split the divisions in each league to the East and the Western Division, which is always kind of strange to me because, you know, you looked at it and the Cincinnati Reds and the Atlanta Braves were in the West Division, which always never made any sense to me. I, I, I never really understood that. Uh, but that's what it was. You know, in 95 or 94, they went to three divisions. And what happened? There was a labor strike, and we didn't get our playoffs that year. People were pissed. 95, they instituted the playoffs, but the wild card ended. were shocked that people weren't coming to the games. They were shocked that viewership was down. So when the home run chase came around in 99 between Sosa and McGuire then later on with Barry Bonds. Uh, you know, baseball was like, all right, we've got something. And fans started, okay, we'll come and watch. You know, this is kind of interesting. It's kind of history. Because one thing about baseball, and it's about any fan of any sport, and I, I honestly, any fan of any sport, they're going to show up to watch a historical sporting event. Okay? And guys like McGuire and Sosa hitting 60 home runs or Bonds, when he hit seven, people want to watch historic sporting events. That's a given, okay? So baseball was happy. Well, then the dirty secret was found out that some of these guys are actually juicing. Now, Barry Bonds, on his end, he may not have been juicing, but I'm going to tell you what. If you ever took a look at his right arm, that is a suit of armor on his right arm. You can't tell me that that did not aid his swing. You cannot tell me or prove to me that didn't aid his swing. Give me a break, okay? Uh, but baseball screwed up. Instead of owning it and saying, okay, yes, this is a situation that we don't like, and da-da-da, um... You know, we, we've known about it, and we're going to take steps to uh, correct it. No, they came out and lied to the fans. This is an egregious act against baseball, and we are shocked that players would do this. It had been happening in football for 10 years. Give me a break. If the team, some of these teams in the major did not know what was going on, uh, or they want to make you believe they didn't know what was going on. They're fools. They knew exactly what was going on. But people were coming back to the ballparks. They were watching the games. So they didn't care. Then they got found out. It's like, oh, well, we've got to protect the integrity of the, integrity of the game. Uh, yeah, no. They didn't do that either. They showed what hypocrites they were. Now, then you fast forward to after that, uh, when uh, Money Moneyball came out and this whole drive toward the analytics of baseball, 
And again, Major League Baseball wanted to jump on the coattails of that movie. Hey, this is a great idea. Uh, let's promote this. Let's let's have teams start working on doing more analytics. Let me clue you in a little something about the movie world, Rob Manfred. People did not care that movie was about baseball. The only thing people cared about that went to see that movie is because it was Brad Pitt. Get that through your thick head, all right? Because, um, quite frankly, I don't go to a baseball game and sit in the stands, or I don't watch it at home, and wonder just, well, what was the bat, the, the bat speed and the, and the launch angle on on uh, Kyle Schwarber's home run or or that 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 double that Tyler O'Neill hit what was, how what was his exit velocity it really got out that I don't care about that I don't and why should I why should I care what his launch angle exit velocity and bat speed is all I care about is that when he hits the ball nobody catches it now, whether it goes over the fence or whether it goes between outfielders or over an outfielder's head or drops in front, I simply do not care. I just want him to get a hit. Same with a pitcher. I don't care what the spin rate is on Alex Reyes's slider or Max Scherzer's fastball. I don't care. The fact is, pitcher throw ball batter tries to hit ball. That's the game of baseball. And if Rob Manford is too stupid to figure that out, he needs to get the hell out of town. And I'll tell you another thing. I don't necessarily like to talk about players, but I'm going to. You players with this ghost runner crap, you know what that's called? It's called being lazy. Oh, we can't go more. We can't. Nine innings is a no. We can't. If we go past nine, we we have to bat. And why don't we? You know, this isn't the whiners league. This is Major League Baseball. You can't play more than nine innings. I don't want you on my team. Get the hell out. Doors over there. Don't let it hit you in the ass on the way out. On the way out. That's just my feeling on that. Okay, rant's over. Let's get to some actual baseball news, which. Centers around after the lockout and the free agency picking back up, which it did. Um, there were still uh, a, couple, uh, a couple of good uh, high-level shortstops, or three of them actually, Corey Seager, Trevor Story, Carlos Correa, that were uh, available, and all three found homes. Um, the curious one to me is Corey Seager. Now, I think he's going to switch to third base because he is – he was uh, he signed the uh, uh, $325 million 10-year contract with the Texas Rangers. So I'm assuming he's going to move to third base because they already had signed Marcus Simeon to a 7-year $175 million contract before the lockout, lockout. So I'm thinking that's what's going to happen there. But, you know, I have kind of seen this movie before in Texas. It was called The A-Rod Show. Ten years, two hundred fifty million dollars. He's gonna bring us a championship. Three years later, he was traded to the Yankees. I don't know. 
Maybe they got more around with, with Simeon. Maybe they got more around Seager. Maybe they make this one work. I don't know. Uh, Trevor Story, six years to the Boston Red Sox for $140 million. That ain't bad. I'll take that payday, you know. Uh, Carlos Correa got a short-term deal. I and mean, I'm surprised he signed a short-term deal. I thought he would go for a longer uh, a longer deal. Uh, but uh, six years, $140 million. Um, now, some other names uh, of prominent note. Freddie Freeman uh, signed a deal with the L.A. Dodgers. Uh, six years, $162 million. Uh, the Phillies made uh, two deals, one with uh, Nick Castellanos for five years, $100 million, and another one with uh, Kyle Schwarber, four years for $79 million. My only thought here is they're going to platoon those guys as a DH, and if that's the case, they could get 80 home runs out of the DH position. I'm almost, I mean, I can see that. That may be an exaggeration, but you know what I mean. I, they, that's going to be a very power position for the Philadelphia Phillies because I don't really see either of those guys playing um, in the outfield. They might. I mean, they're not terrible in the outfield, but they're definitely not. There's a lot of, a lot of guys that are better. Uh, Chris Bryant got seven years and $182 million to play for Colorado. Sterling Marte, four years, $78 million to the Mets. Tommy Pham signed away to a Cardinal, former Cardinal. Tommy Pham signed a one-year, $7.5 million deal with the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, they did that just to prove they're not trying to tank. They, they signed Tommy Pham. Good for them. Uh, Robbie Ray is going to be in Seattle with a five-year, $115 million deal. Kevin Gausman, who I wanted St. Louis to really push to go after, has got a five-year deal for $110 million to the San Francisco Giants. Uh, Marcus Stroman, who had been linked to the Cardinals before the lockout, has signed with the Cubs three years, 171, or excuse me, $71 million. Uh, Justin Verlander stays in Houston two years with $50 million. The Dodgers kept two players in, in, their, in Dodger blue. Uh, they gave a one-year deal to Trey Turner for $21 million. And a one-year deal to Clayton Kershaw for $17 million. Um, also on one year on a one-year deal, the Milwaukee Brewers signed Andrew McCutcheon for $8.5 million. Uh, Joe Kelly, a two-year contract with the Chicago White Sox for $17 million. Now here's a couple few players that haven't signed yet with anybody. Uh, Albert Pujols, Kyle Seeger, Freddie Galvis, Galvis uh, Michael Conforto, Ian Desmond, Greg Bird. Now, of this list, I think really the one that kind of strikes me as odd is Michael Conforto, believe it or not. Uh, I thought he would be slapped, uh, 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 really kind of uh, swooped up um, because he is a good hitter and would make, a, I think, a very good DH. Um, but, uh, you know, he's still out there. Uh, now, as for St. Louis, uh, prior to the lockout, they did retain the services of T.J. McFarland and acquired starter Steven Matz, um, which both were good moves, and I, I really welcomed that, both of them. Uh, but you go back and you look at what they needed and what they had, and, um, you know, it, it's kind of mind-boggling to think that the way what Luis Garcia did for that staff and the relief job last year, that... Uh, um, 
he was not uh, they did not try to re-sign him um, but uh, so yeah they started out good and then all of a sudden the lockout hits and after the lockout they just quit I mean that's the only way to put it folks they quit uh, kind of reminds me of last year when they went out and they got a, a uh, well, they re-signed uh, Wainwright, Molina, and then went out and got Arenado, and then just stopped. Um, now, they did pick up players, don't get me wrong, but these players they picked up, I mean, it's just it's not what you would think they were working on. I mean, names like Drew Verhagen and Nick Whitgren, um, Packy Naughton. Uh, they picked up the con uh, minor league contract from Aaron Brooks. Um now, they did sign Corey Dickerson, a one-year deal for $5 million. Um, good left-handed bat, but really what they need on the left side is, at least in my estimation, on the bench and even, I would think, at the DH, is a power bat. And Dickerson doesn't fit that role. Uh, and neither does the guy they just picked up today, Corey Spannenberg. A veteran utility uh, player, plays infield and outfield, decent hitter, but not what you would call a power bat. So I'm not sure as to what the deal is, why they're not using that, um, unless they just want them as a DH uh, just to give Yepes a break. I mean, I don't know, but they could do that with Lars Newtbar, as far as that goes. I don't know what the deal is with this. Um, I will say, though, that Verhagen... Uh, from what I've seen, uh, stat-wise, has had a couple decent outings in spring training. So maybe he's a he's something that that uh, with Flaherty going down is going to be uh, um, useful uh, going forward. Uh, now, trade-wise, uh, in the major leagues, there's a, some notable trades. As I mentioned earlier, the Braves traded Matt Olson, or excuse me, the Braves traded for Matt Olson from Oakland, uh, giving up Joey Estes. Ryan Kusick, uh, Christian Pachi, and Shea Langoliers. Um, the Yankees traded Luke Voigt to the Padres uh, for Justin Lang. Um, the A's weren't done. They traded Matt Chapman to Toronto for Kevin Smith, um, Gunnar Hogland, Zach Logue, and Kirby Sneed. They also traded Chris Bassett to the Yankees for Adam Euler and JT Ginn. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. The Reds completed or continued to sell off as they uh, dealt Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez to Seattle for Brandon Williamson, Justin Dunn, and Jake Fraley. Uh, they also traded Sonny Gray and Francis Peguero to Minnesota for Chase Petty. Now, does this sound like they're trying to improve their team? This sounds like tanking, which is what the whole deal of an expanded playoffs is supposed to help stop. Somebody needs to... Uh, Talk to Rob Manfred and let him know that his deal didn't work. Uh, now the the uh, Yankee, <clears throat> excuse me, the Yankees completed a deal with uh, Minnesota. Um, they traded Gary Sanchez and Giovanni Ursela to Minnesota for Josh Donaldson, uh, Isaiah Kiner Falifa, and Ben Rodevort. Uh Now this, of course, the Twins had just gotten uh, Kiner Falifa. And uh, Ronnie Henriquez in a trade for Mitch Garver. So they turned around and traded him, uh, Felipe that is, to the Yankees. Uh, somewhat of a curious move. Uh, Cardinals so far have been absent in the trade talks. Um, uh, trade rumors have been <clears throat> not, excuse me, 
folks. I'm sorry about the voice problem here. Um, but I've uh, uh, been kind of absent in trade talks. Uh, there have been rumors that they're looking at maybe Oakland uh, for Montas or Manera, Manea, um, a couple of pitchers over there. Uh, I think in large part this is going to depend on how Flaherty uh, responds, what his injury actually is, how long he's going to be out. I think if it's a short-term thing, they may go with internal, uh, like a Woodford, like a Verhagen, um, somebody uh, that maybe even a Libertor or a Zach Thompson, um, just to get by until Flaherty's back. If it's a long-term injury, then I think you're going to see them make a trade. Uh, it does appear by all, uh, by all reports, though, that they're going to stick with the regular lineup that you saw last year for the most part, um, with the O'Neill, Bader, Carlson in the outfield, um, the corners of Arenado and Goldschmidt, um, in, in the middle infield of uh, probably DeYoung and Edmund. Uh, now, a couple guys can have an impact on this. Uh, those would be Eduard, Edmundo Sosa and Nolan Gorman. Uh, Sosa, who did fill in for DeYoung and actually took the job away from him for a little bit, if he asserts himself in spring training and DeYoung seems to not have improved, you could see that happen. Uh, you can also see Nolan Gorman, if he really asserts himself, he can take over second base, which would require them to move Tommy Edmond. He would end up moving probably to shortstop, and he would probably trade uh, uh, Paul DeYoung. Uh, but now, by all, by all accounts, Gorman is going to start in Memphis. But, you know, stranger things have happened. I mentioned Yepes earlier. I think he's going to be solid. He's going to be coming north of the team. Um, so I think what you're seeing here is you can see what I'm going. You're, you're looking at youth because you've got Brendan Donovan on the 40 man now. Um, and, and Yepes and, uh, Herrera. You've got a lot of kids that are going to be on that 40 man. And, uh, I think that's the way they're going to run from, from here on. I think that's what you're going to see in St. Louis is kind of a youth movement. Uh, I don't see them going after any major big long-term um, uh, players unless they know they can get something out of them. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how that plays plays out. Um, as for the bullpen, I think uh, they're going to go with Gallegos. Uh, I would have, I mean, I have no problem going with Gallegos, but I think I would have also maybe gotten a, a veteran uh, late-inning closer type, uh, like a Brad Hand. He was available. Um, you know, just just to kind of hedge my bets, uh, I think if you're going to look for something else on the in the relief re relief core, um, Hicks I think is going to work his way back in. But a couple guys I think that might show you a little bit more than what you and this is based on what they did last year. Cody Whitley and Ryan Helsley. I think you're going to see those kids, uh, young men, um, a little bit more. Uh, prominent roles in the bullpen so we'll see what happens with that uh all right i'm gonna take a little break here and uh get my uh, throat back in order and while i do that why don't you listen to this message from the wiley group and when we come back we'll talk nc double a hello this is don glenn from gateway city sports we all know how important it is to stay protected Sometimes life throws you a curve, and that's why you need Allstate. The Wiley Group has two locations in Festus and Arnold to serve you. They offer home, auto, boat, motorcycle, 
business, life insurance, investments, and so much more. They offer a customized approach that's unique to your situation to make sure you, your family, and your assets are properly protected. They also offer great rates and savings. Give Sean and his team a call today at 636-764-6294. They'll help you out with an insurance quote right over the phone. Even give them a call if you just want to talk sports. They do that too. We all have busy lives, so you can email Sean at seanwiley at allstate.com and talk to him about your coverage options. And remember, you're in good hands with Allstate. Hey, we are back. As I promised, we're going to talk a little college basketball. I want to start with a couple things here. I also want to touch on the University of Illinois as well uh, after I do the NCAA the, uh, tournament. Uh, the Missouri Tigers hired Dennis Gates, formerly of the Cleveland State, where he was 50-40 and 40 in the last three years. Uh, made the NCAA tournament as a 15 seed last year. He replaces Conzo Martin, who was fired earlier by the university. Um, the University of Illinois has hired a new women's basketball coach. Uh, Shauna Green was named the women's head coach. Um, she's coached the last six years at Dayton, where she compiled a 127-50 and record uh, four times in the last six years. The Flyers made the women's NCAA tournament. Green replaces Nancy Fahey. All right, well, the first tournament weekend had its buzzer beaters, upsets, and we have a Cinderella team. And I mean a true Cinderella team, folks. Okay, this is not a 12 seed having a good run. This is a Cinderella team. And we had a number one go down on the first weekend. I think it's a pretty normal weekend, wouldn't you think, of the NCAA tournament? Let's look at the recap anyway. Uh, so, last week when I revealed my final four. It was Gonzaga, Villanova, Kansas, and Purdue. At current, only one is in the final four, and only one other is left to be in the final four. So we'll get to kind of all of that in a minute. Uh, in the West, and I didn't give Michigan State much of a chance of calling, uh, of making out of the first round. I even uh, thought Davison was actually going to beat them. Uh, it almost happened, as they did escape with a 74-73 win. Uh, but they quickly got dispatched by Duke. So, you know, Michigan State is what it is. It's a, They're a decent program, but they're just not what they used to be. Uh, in the East, I was seeing Purdue. Uh, and in the, number one, in the first weekend, it looked like they were going to play the part uh, with a big win over Yale and then beating Texas by 10. Uh, I did call for Baylor to get knocked out. I didn't quite think they were going to get knocked out as early as they did. Uh, they got knocked out in, around the, in the second round by North Carolina. Um, I didn't see that coming. Quite frankly, I thought North Carolina was going to be beaten by Marquette. Uh, but uh, that didn't happen either. Uh, then also in the bottom part of that bracket, you got St. Peter's, who has uh, caused a lot of brackets to be torn up on Thursday night when they took down number two seed Kentucky, and I said it before, I don't think Kentucky was actually a true two seed. I think they were probably closer to a three or four. Uh, why they got a two, I don't know. But uh, uh, St. Peter's took them in overtime, 85-79. And then if that wasn't enough, they turned around two nights or in, uh, on a, it would be Saturday and beat 
Murray State uh, to put themselves in the Sweet 16. So I did not see that coming. And as for the South region, it, that, that one I said was hard to handicap, but I actually handicapped it pretty well, I think, uh, as uh, I had Houston and Illinois meeting each other, and they did. Uh, I said one of those teams could probably upset Arizona, and I'll get that in a minute. Um, I got Villanova coming out of the region, and they have. Uh, so all in all, I think I did pretty well with the South. Uh, the Midwest, I did also did well. My upset predictions came out almost to a T. Uh, I did say that uh, Iowa State would take down LSU. They did. Uh, I thought Richmond had a chance to beat Iowa. They did. And I thought Miami might have an outside shot at taking down USC, and they did, and even more. They've gone a little farther than I figured they would. Uh, so let's start the second weekend, or the current weekend we're in, with the West, where much to my surprise, Gazaga was taken down by number four, Arkansas. Now, of course, Arkansas has now been beaten, and Duke is now in the final four. Uh, that happened earlier this afternoon, or well, I guess this is Sunday now when I'm recording Sunday morning, so um, this happened uh, Saturday night. Um, so Duke becomes the second team to uh, secure a Final Four. In the East, it was shaping up as Purdue and UCLA, and I had thought those two teams, along with a couple others, had a shot at uh, that uh, coming out of that region. However, both of them decided to lose in the Sweet 16. Um, and UCLA was taken down by North Carolina, who took down Gonzaga. They must have a thing against West Coast teams. I don't know. And Purdue fell victim to the Cinderella Slipper of St. Peter's, putting St. Peter's in the Elite Eight. And sets them up with a matchup against North Carolina for the Final Four. So one of the Final Four positions is going to be an 8 or a 15 seed. How cool is that? Okay. Um, in the South, like I said... Um, I had Arizona having trouble with either Illinois or Houston, and they had trouble with Houston. Houston beat them. Uh, but Villanova has come out of there as the Final Four representative from the South. Uh, the Midwest has also been fairly kind, uh, although both Michigan and Iowa State went a little longer than I thought they would. But Kansas has held strong. And, uh, like I said, I, I caught the three upsets. Um you know, I don't know if Miami's got another upset in them, uh, but that could be very interesting as well. So only one number one seed is left, and that is Kansas. Uh, Villanova and Duke are already in. We've got the possibility of a 15 seed and a 10 seed making the uh, Final Four. Um, all in all, I, this could be a fun Final Four. Uh, we're... I would not be surprised to see St. Peter's pull out another glass uh, uh, sneaker, so to speak, against North Carolina. Um, but then they would have to face Duke, and I don't know. I, You tell me, okay? Um, is Duke really that good? I, I didn't think they were. I really didn't think Duke was that good. They've kind of surprised me. Uh, I'm still going to stay with, my, with Villanova, though, as my national champion, so... There you have my thoughts on NCAA, and I will 
try to get a post out, uh, a quick post uh, turnaround on either Monday or Tuesday uh, with the results from this weekend and what my thoughts are on the four teams left. Uh, I want to finish up tonight with the University of Illinois and just how proud I am to be an Illini fan. And I know you don't want to hear how I'm such a, uh, I'm such a homer. Okay, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. But I really am. I mean, uh, my hat's off to Coach Underwood and his staff and the entire team. Because you talk about a team that overcame adversity after adversity after adversity. When April started last year, pretty much Brad Underwood had to replace his entire coaching staff. He lost his best guard to the NBA. He lost his um, one of his more experienced bench players to the NBA. Almost lost his center. He was out of he he was in the NBA portal. Two other guards were in the NBA portal. He had a guard transfer out. One of his best shooting guards transfer out of the program. Um. And then when he finally got things together and Kofi came back, then he ended, Kofi ended up being suspended for three games. And in those first three games, Corbello was hurt. Trent Frazier was hurt. DeMonte Williams got hurt. Austin Hutcherson got hurt. Um, and then when we finally got hurt, started getting people back and everything, then Corbello got hurt again, this time a concussion, uh, which laid him out for uh, a number of games. I can't exactly remember the total. It was 11 or 14 games, something like that, that he missed with concussion protocol. He finally gets back, and then he gets COVID. He's out for another couple, three to four days. Then he gets done with that, He had, and the team had a case of the stomach flu. Then they had a case of pink eye. I mean, I don't know how many how many obstacles you can throw at a team and then to still come out with a co-Big Ten championship. Uh, yeah, we got knocked out in the Final Four, or in the uh, tournament, NCAA tournament, and the... Uh, Big Ten tournament earlier than we sh- than we thought we would, um, but you look at you know what really has gone on with the team since. Uh, Kofi Coburn is the first team All American, first team All Big Ten, unanimous choice. Trent Frazier, second team All Big Ten. Al- Alfonso Plummer, third team All Big Ten. Uh, I think academic they had six basketball players academic All Big Ten. Um, and you saw contributions from the freshmen like R.J. Melendez, who played fantastic basketball in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Luke Goody showed up, showed off his shooting style, um, knocking down threes from with, you know, just seemed like he'd been doing it for years at the college level, and he's only a freshman. Um, now, um, Brandon Pazinski didn't get to play as much late in the season, but he got into some early games. He showed that he could actually shoot the ball pretty well. Uh, And that's going to be big because you're losing Trent Frazier. You're losing DeMonte Williams. You're losing Alfonso Plummer. You're losing three guards. Now you're getting some guards in next year in Sincere Harris, uh, the number one guard. uh, I think he's the number one player, actually, in in the state of Ohio. Um, And uh, Jay... uh, Jaden Epps, the number three guard or number three player in North Carolina and the number one guard in North Carolina, plus uh, 
Ty Rogers, 6'7". Uh, I think he's probably going to be used more as a wing, but they say combo guard, um, who's the number one player in the state of Illinois. Um, you know, this gives Brad Underwood two classes back-to-back -back of three four-star recruits. And I did a little bit of digging, and I can't find a time when Illinois had three or two years of three four-star recruits each year. I, I haven't found it. Uh, and he's got commitments from kids um, already. And, and I, I think what he's been able to do, the culture he's been able to bring to the University of Illinois, it's going to pay some big dividends. And where he's going to have trouble next year, not only at the guard spot, but if Kofi Coburn leaves. Uh, Kobe's got a year left. Well, actually two years if you count a COVID year that he's got available. Uh, he went for the NBA draft last year, was not accepted well. He's still not very high on any on a lot of teams' lists. As a, I mean, he's he's either very very low down in the second round or not even on the board. So I don't know if he'll try again or not. If he doesn't, better for Underwood. If he does and he leaves, then Underwood's got a decision to make. Now he does have some options. Uh, the transfer that we picked up this last year, 6'10", 240-pound Omar Payne. Um, is a candidate. Coleman Hawkins, the uh, 6'10 uh, forward, uh, is another option. And then we've also brought in uh, this year. He came. He's already on campus. Came through the transfer portal, but he couldn't play this year. Uh, is Dane Danya from Baylor, 6'9, uh, 270 pounds, has a seven and a half foot wingspan, another big body in the middle. Uh, now. Are any of those guys going to be able to do a double-double like, like Kofi? I doubt it. I mean, Kofi Coburn, or I should say a player like Kofi Coburn, only comes along once in a while. I don't think you're going to see a repeat. But we should have the people that might be able to at least take up the space, if you will. <laughs> That's a bad way to put it, I know. Uh, but no, uh, it's going to be interesting to see. It's going to be interesting how the how the because the team's going to be very young, and you're going to be talking, you know, you know, three players or six players are going to be sophomores or younger, while well, seven players are sophomore or younger, because uh, Donnie will be a redshirt freshman, um, and you don't really have a senior player on the team unless Kofi comes back. I think uh, the only senior player available would be Payne and. Uh, Grandison, if he comes back, and it's not a guarantee if he comes back either. Uh, I think you want to see Grandison come back because that does give you an extra guard that has experience. Otherwise, you've got Andre Corbello, and that's it, uh, with the exception of, of the three freshmen this year who I wouldn't call that they got a great experience. I mean, they're I don't think they're no longer freshmen, obviously, at the end of the year, uh, or even midway. I mean, uh, but uh, it's going to be very interesting. So I hope people can temper their ex uh, ex expectations uh, until we see what these kids have got. And uh, But I think uh, Underwood has put Yelena basketball back on the map, and uh, I think it's going to be there for a while. I really do. So Hey, that does it for me tonight. And remember, get in touch with me here at the show. You can email me at tsotb.gcs at gmail.com or on Twitter at 
TSOTBGCS or at Big D underscore GCS. Uh, submit your questions for the fan forum coming up uh, probably later in April. And uh, if you want to be a guest host, do that too. Put that request in also. And uh, so until next time, we will see you on the bleachers. Good night, everybody. Thanks again for joining us, and you have been listening to Talking Sports on the Bleachers. Here's hoping you have a great sports day. See you later.